everything God plans will come to pass if we just live for Him, dedicate our lives to Him. Why? Because nothing touches the father's child that does not first touch the child's father. There's nothing ever in your life that will happen that God has not allowed. You can go from Genesis to Revelation and you can prove this very truth that if it's going to touch you, if you're going through something, God is going with you through it and God will get you to the other side. Can you say amen? You see, the key to victory that we need in your life and mine is based on the secure and certain promises of the God we serve. This is the truth. There's not a single man or woman in this place that has unshakable faith. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, I have an unshakable God that I put my faith in and nothing can change that. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to take you all the way back to the Torah. I'm going to take you back to the five books of Moses. And I'm going to bring a message that I have been so excited to bring out. I've titled the message... Faith believes when you're not permitted to see. How many here would like to see what you're believing for? The faith believes when you're not permitted to see. And every one of us in this place have times that we wish we could just kind of get a crystal ball and say, God, show me what's going to happen tomorrow. I remember years and years ago, before I ever became a Christian, I went to a fortune teller. Uh Now, I only did it one time because I'd hurt so much, and I didn't even know Jesus. I was, and I say this respectfully, please don't take it wrong, I was raised Catholic, and basically, you know the church, you don't really know a whole lot else. And I said, if you're ex-Catholic here, which I am, my wife went through parochial school, she went all the way up 8th grade, ninth grade, 8th grade. Could you picture my wife in that little plaid skirt? Yeah. I was more Jack Catholic, you know. I was a C&E guy, Christmas and Easter. Okay. And I would go to church, and I, I didn't really know a whole lot. But in all, in all that I was doing, I was asking God and you know, I was talking to God, but I really didn't know him. So I, I went to this fortune teller. I wasn't a Christian, 
But I wanted to know if this person really knew anything. And it blew my mind, the things of my past that this lady knew. How does she know those things? Now, I'm intriguing some of you. Wow, maybe they know something. The Bible calls them familiar spirits. They're demon apparitions that are possessing people. And they do know your past, but they don't know your future. Well, say, Pastor, how does it that they can affect your future just like anybody else can? If somebody leads you well enough, they'll get you to go anywhere they want you to go. Whether it's man or demon. Because you'll start following that path. Well, this is what they said to do, so I'm doing it. The devil doesn't know your future. The enemy doesn't know your future. Fortune tellers don't know your futures. It's amazing. Remember a few years ago or several years ago that the psychic psychic network went bankrupt? If they could have saw the future, they would have knew it was coming. Go ahead and give the Lord glory. (laughs) The truth is the truth. But I'm going to make a statement in this message. And I really believe that this this message is going to set some people free. So I want to make this statement. The Lord is gracious in hiding your future from you. In hiding our future from us. Though we would love a sneak peek or a preview... God, just give me a glance. God says it's not for you to know. I am for you to know is what Jesus says. Just like the enemy can lead you in a way, Jesus said, I am the way. Follow me. Deuteronomy 29, this is back in the Torah, the Old Testament, it's the first five books of Moses. The Latin, or the, the Greek, they call it the Pentateuch. The Latin, they call it Septuagint. What, plus other books in there. Look what it says here. And I want you to read this with me out loud, please. The secret things, come on church, read it with me. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. We're going to read that again. I want you to grab a hold of this. Because so many of us, If we would get past the past and let go of the future and dedicate our life to Christ today, we would have greatest victory you ever have in your life. So let's read this again. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But now I want you to underline this in your notes. But the things revealed to us belong to us and our children forever. The things that God does show us, you know why he shows us? He tells us that we may follow all of his direction. All of his words. We, you and I, must accept that we are not meant to know all things. And there's various reasons that we'll get to in this message. But faith believes when you are not permitted to see. The longer we live, the more we need to realize 
that God is really good at keeping the future from us. I believe it's mercy. There's some of the stuff of my future. When I was living in the past, if I wanted, if if I would have known it, I would have said, "God, I'm not the guy for the for the job." And don't look at me like that, because you would too. If we knew some of the things that we were going to have to go through in this life, how many would have said, "Find somebody else"? Go ahead, lift your hand high. Honest people. I don't want to pray for liars at the first of the service. God, get a different guy. Yet, he gives us something better than a crystal ball. He gives us something better than any familiar spirit. He gives us what the Bible calls grace. Second Corinthians, and I'm, I'm reading, I don't usually read out of Eugene Peterson's work, not because I don't like it, it's called The Message. Maybe you have The Message Bible. It is, it is not an actual translation it is more of a paraphrase. It is more written in, in not novel form, but it's more written in storyline form. Very great book. If you have it as a Bible, good Bible. I don't usually use it because I like to go back to the original language uh, in different times that I'm trying to bring out a point. But he has done such a good job in what I'm going to speak on today that I'm using him two or three times in this message. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, very familiar passage of scripture, but it's going to sound a little different through Eugene Peterson and the message. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, Paul's talking about the struggles that he's going through in his life. Most of us understand that Paul is credited by the, through, through God to have written two-thirds of the New Testament, over two-thirds if you want to include the book of Hebrews. Uh, that, that many people accredit to Paul. The other places, some would say Barnabas was possibly the writer, or Apollos might have been the writer of Hebrews because of the way that they seem in history to have conveyed things. But for sake of that, that just, yeah, needless trivia. Okay. Paul is writing here about himself. And he's saying, because of the extravagance of those revelations, the things that God was revealing to him. Revelation is things that are to come. It is the unveiling of something yet not seen. That's what revelation means. And so I wouldn't get a big head. I love the way Peterson did this. He just nailed it. So I don't get caught up in my pride and in myself. See, sometimes God won't show us our future so we don't get stuck in our future. And no longer do today because I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Wow, it's going to be great then. Well, later for then, this is now. That I wouldn't get a big head. Listen to what he says. I was given a handicapped as a gift. I was given problems as a gift. I was given struggle. How do I think Paul just lost it? You ever look at struggle as a gift? Problem is a gift. I was given the gift of a handicap. Look what it says. To keep me in constant touch with my humanity, my limitations, the fact that he is God and I am not. And look what he goes on to say. He said, Satan's angel did his very best to get me down. But you know what it is? As a matter of fact, it only got me down to my knees. You ever want to get somebody on their feet? Get them on their knees. 
Let's move on. No danger walking high and mighty for me. At first, I didn't think it was a gift. And I begged God to remove it. Three times I sought him. But look what he said. And I want you to underline this in your notes. My grace is enough. It's all you need. Now, here's the problem we have with grace. And I'm going to finish the scripture, so don't get caught up in it. Look at me for a second. Get your eyes off the screen. Okay. Here's the problem we have with grace. We have been drilled that it simply means unmerited favor. And that it does. But the reason it's enabled us to have unmerited favor is because the literal translation back in the original languages coming from the pen of Paul, it meant God's power at operation in us. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says these words, He is able to do, who? God is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything. Ooh, that's a lot. We'll say anything don't sound much. The rest of it does. Anything I could ask or think. I don't know about you. I got some pretty big thoughts. My asker can get overloaded at times. Exceeding abundantly above anything I could ask or think. We are able to do Listen to this, according to his power that works in us. Are you thinking about that? Look what Paul was hearing from God. Paul, my power working in you is all you need. My strength comes into its own when you realize it's not about you in your weakness. I look what Paul said. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. Look, look at me, please. Once we come to grips with the reality, the problems are not going to go away. Struggles are not going to subside. Situations are not just going to disappear. Peace does not mean the absence of problems. Once we come to grips with that, we'll have greater victory than you ever imagined. Because when something comes in like a flood, we know, what's the big deal? God's glory is going to raise a standard against it. Oh, I don't think you're getting this yet. Let me continue on. Look what Paul says. And I want you to underline this. He said, he said what, did you underline that? My grace is enough? Underline this next thing. I quit focusing on my problems. I quit focusing on my handicap. And I began appreciating the gift, the fact that I'm going through these things. It was a case of God's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride with good cheer. Limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Jesus take over. Lord, it's your deal. I get so many people frustrated at me. When, when, when something happens, I say, praise the Lord. Maybe some of you out there, you might have gone through something, and the first words out of my mouth when you tell me about it, I say, praise the Lord. You know why? Because I know it's just an opportunity for God to show himself in a great way. It's just an opportunity for me to see 
what I wasn't permitted to see because I had faith to believe in the one who could do exceeding abundantly above anything I could ask or think according to his power that works in me. Faith believes where I'm not permitted to see. So he said, I let Christ take over. So the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Is anybody getting this today? I could say amen, have an altar call, and we should be able to go home because we get the dance of victory. But i got a couple more things to go over. If I go home now, Bob's going to get upset because he put all this stuff in. So I'm, I'm getting all Bob. Everybody turn around and wave at Bob back there in the book, in the booth. Yeah, there you go. Okay. You see, this faith that I'm talking about is not faith in a faith. It's not faith in a belief. It's faith in God's grace. See, the Bible says it's by grace we're saved through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And that is a gift of God. The ninth verse goes on. Not of works. Not of my own abilities. That I could boast about it. See, this is faith in this grace that enables you and I to face an unknown future with absolute confidence and security. Second Peter, once again, I'm using Eugene Peterson's message, interpret our master's patient restraint, why he allows some things to happen. Interpret it as what it is, salvation. Just like our dear brother Paul, who was given so much wisdom in these matters. Paul writes some things that are very difficult to understand. And irresponsible people, listen to this. This is why I talk about people that pull things out of context and people pull messages out. Well, grace, you know, it's just unmerited faith. No, no, it's so much more. It's the whole of by which we live. Paul writes some things that are difficult to understand. And look what he says. Irresponsible people who don't know what they're talking about twist those words just like they do the rest of the Scripture. Ultimately, it destroys themselves and everyone that listens to it. Let me make a statement. It's in your notes. God is working out his purpose universally as he is working out his plans, specifically and individually. It is here that our confidence can begin to grow, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, that everything ultimately is in his hands. And look at me. Nothing happens in your life by accident. If you are a child of God, I'm not talking about you're out living in sin, doing stupid things. Look in the mirror and uh, look at somebody and say, I do that once in a while. Go ahead. I just want you to say it because I have to say it all the time. I do stupid really well sometimes. You didn't have to say amen to that, okay? <laughs> but nothing happen, nothing can happen that God has not allowed. I've had people tell me, you know, I'm going through my darkest hour. Can I tell you something about your darkest hour? It's still only 60 minutes. God can get you from there to where you're going. Yet we all want to peek into what is to be. Let me take you 
into Isaiah 46. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. Remember the things that I have done in the past. Please, please, underline, highlight, circle. If we would remember what God has already done, we would never worry about what God is going to do. Remember the things that I have done in the past. I alone am God. I am God. There is no one like me. And look what he says. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. But then I want you to circle this. Look at me. Look at me. Before you do that. Before, look at me. How many children of God do we have here today? It's not a trick question. Go ahead and lift your hand up high. Okay. Do you believe God has the best for you? Do you believe Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans God has for me, plans to prosper, not to harm, but to give me an expected future. Do we believe that? Then we also need to believe this. Everything God plans will come to pass if we just live for Him, dedicate our lives to Him. Why? Because nothing touches the father's child that does not first touch the child's father. There's nothing ever in your life that will happen that God has not allowed. You can go from Genesis to Revelation and you can prove this very truth that if it's going to touch you, if you're going through something, God is going with you through it and God will get you to the other side. Can you say amen? You see, the key to victory that we need in your life and mine is based on the secure and certain promises of the God. God we serve. This is the truth. There's not a single man or woman in this place that has unshakable faith. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, I have an unshakable God that I put my faith in and nothing can change that. So when I'm not permitted to see, I can have faith still to believe. Second Timothy For God has not given me a spirit of fear. Say that with me. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Say that with me. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Say that with me. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Come on, say it like you believe it. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline, a soundness, a security, a certainty, a self-controlment. With the strength that God gives me. He told his young disciple, be ready to suffer for the sake of the good news. You know the word of God tells us over and over and over? If you are a child of God, you will suffer. Why do we think it's so strange? Peter wrote it when fiery trials happen. God, what am I doing wrong? You may be doing everything exactly right. I love the quote that people love to bring out of the Bible, but it's not in the Bible. Good things come to those that wait. How many other non-biblical quotes do we base our lives on? All hell might come to some that wait. But that's okay. God will build your house on the other side. We go through things. But the key is we go through things. Look what Paul says here. God's strength is given to you. Be ready to suffer for the sake of the good news. And then he talks about his own life. This is why I'm suffering. I'm not ashamed of it. 
I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Let me quickly take you through three thoughts that I have in this message. God gives us promises, and he does that to keep us from worry. You see, this grows our faith. God gives us these promises, and he says, will you believe me? Will you trust me? When Jesus was preparing to go away in John 16, it's not in your notes, but you need to write it down, John 16, 32, 33. He said, he said I, the time is now, and I, I'm going away. And many of you are going to go back to your own place. What he's literally saying is things are going to get rough, and most of you are going to go right back to doing what you did before you came to me. Do you ever notice that when you have struggles... You return to the familiar. Did you ever notice that? You go back to doing the comfortable, the thing you don't even have to think about doing, whether it was right or wrong. Well, I guess this God thing didn't work out, so I'm just going to go back to this. Anybody do that besides me? I've done it more times than I'd like to admit. Not lately. He said, at the time I'm going away, and you're going, to be, you're going to go back to doing your own thing, and I'm going to be left all alone. But look what he said there in John 16, 32. He said, but I'm not alone because my Father is still with me. I'm not alone because my Father is still with me. I don't care where you're at, ladies and gentlemen. You're not alone because your Father is still with you. And if you will just grab a hold of that. Look what Jesus said in the 33rd verse. He said, in this world, you're going to have troubles. But be a good cheer. Because I overcame them all. I'm not going to be alone. Dad's going to be with me. And Jesus is going to walk right beside me. And he said, don't worry about it. I've already overcome over it, all of it. So if I've overcome it, you're going to overcome as well. Look, faith enables us to live free from worry. Can somebody say amen? amen. Philippians chapter 4. Once again, it's not in your notes, ladies and gentlemen. The, the Bible says, don't be worrying about anything. But in all things... By prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Then the God of peace that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind. The heart has to do with the confidence we have in Christ. The mind has to do with dealing with the situations of the world. God says, I will give you confidence and certainty. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Can somebody say amen in the house of God? You see... He said, I will give you promises that will enable you to live free of worry, but not free of concern. The great difference between worry and concern is this. To concern or to have a burden that you take to God in prayer is one thing. But to be anxious or to worry about the outcome of something is totally another. You cannot do anything about the future. The future is in God's hand. But you can take the concerns and burdens you have today and place them in the hands of the God. I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I can stand confident in the one that holds tomorrow. Can you? 3,000 times plus God tells us promises to keep us from worry. You go through the scripture, and it's been done by scholars before me, but they say the terminology of not being afraid or not fearing or not being over or anxious about things 
comes 365 times in the scripture. I wonder if that has anything to do with the amount of days we have in a year. God says tomorrow, don't worry about it. Yesterday, don't worry about it. Today, don't worry about it. How many know that today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday? You made it okay, didn't you? Maybe okay. You know what the Bible says about worry? Romans 14 says, anything that's not of faith is sin. Worry is sin. Oh, man, you just took my favorite pastime away. What, what are you worrying about? The Bible says you can't change one hair on your head or the hair you don't have on your head. You can't change it. God said, I hold every tear, every hair. So you that have less hair, rejoice. God's got them all. Okay, well. (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus. What are you guys going to do with me? Don't answer that, please. Don't answer that. I told somebody earlier in the service that it's a week-by-week thing. If I do good this week, you guys let me come back next week. And, and I told somebody that somebody was in charge of it, and they didn't realize how much power they had. Okay. My humor does get better, church. Yeah. Can you feel the love? Can you feel the love? Some say that how can I live in an uncertain world without worry, without concern? You can have concern. You just can't have worry. Why? Because worry is the result of fear. We don't have to know the way. We just have to walk in him who is the way. He knows where we're going. He knows what we're going to face He knows the uncertainty, but he he said, if you'll put your confidence in me, I'll get you where you're going. Paul writes in 2 Timothy about confidence and about comfort. Paul knew that he had little time to write. 2 Timothy 1 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. This is too much. Turn to Isaiah 41. This just comes to me here. Turn to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Okay, you've got Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Then you've got Isaiah. There you go. Okay, Isaiah 41. Turn there with me. It's not in your notes, so take your eyes off the screen. Look at this. Look at this. Isaiah 41. Are you there? Let's go, to, let's go down to the 10th verse. Do not fear, because I'm with you. Amen. Huh. Don't be dismayed, because I am your God. Amen. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. With my righteous right hand. 
all who rage against you will be brought to nothing. Surely be ashamed, disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you'll not even be able to find them. Those who raise war against you will be as nothing as all, at all. You know what God's saying? He said, I'll make them as if they didn't even exist. That little bitty problem of yours, little bitty problem. Look at somebody and say, my problem isn't so little bitty. How many think in the sight of God is pretty small? Matter of fact, Paul put it this way. These light afflictions work a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Look what he says. There'll be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. Sounds something to hang on to, doesn't it? In 2 Timothy 4, Paul says it this way, keep your clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others. Fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. No matter what the world comes against you, God says keep doing what you're doing. And then he writes about the time that he is going to depart. He said the time of my death is near, but I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. Why? Because I have remained faithful. Paul's basically saying, you know, it's been long and hard. But it's been worth it. There were struggles and setbacks, but I kept my focus and I didn't allow fear to discourage or destroy my faith. You know, Paul basically told Timothy, he said, Timothy, I made it and you're going to make it too. Remember where you are rooted and what God has already done. You see, Philippians 1 verse 6 says that God will finish the work that he began. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of a sound mind. You know what that literally means? A spirit of clear thinking, uh, clear thinking soundness, self-certainty and confidence in knowing that God has things in control. He said, you don't have to leer, live in wondering. He has given you a spirit of soundness, of power, and of love. Let me just break it down to you. What is the power? Philippians 4.13 says this way, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. What is the love? The Word of God tells us this in 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. And a soundness, it tells us right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And I can take a Hold of every situation, every thought, and I can take it captive and bring it into obedience to God's word and the stand of my faith in life. Pardon a little bit of excitement. See, these are the things that I live as your pastor. These are the things that when people ask me, Pastor, can you do this? I mean, how do you do this? How do you do Because I try to live this. I try to believe this. I try to apply it to my life. I don't worry about what's going to happen because I already know what's already happened. Can you say amen? You and I will feel afraid at times, but we do not have to live in fear. 
over in Lamentations. It's not in your notes, but you can write it down. Or it's written down in your notes there. It's not scriptured out, though. Lamentations chapter 3. The Bible says that, 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 uh, that uh, uh, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, was all bothered by things that were going on. And he wrote these words. He said, but I recall to my mind, and I have hope. He said, I bring back to remembrance what has already happened. When Paul was writing in 2 Timothy to this young disciple, he said, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. What he was telling Timothy, he said, Timothy, take the poker of your faith and stir up those gifts. Stir up those memories of what God's already done and understand that he is going to do it again. This is what Jeremiah did. He said, I understand that it's of the Lord's tender mercies that I am not consumed. That his compassions, they fail not. But every single morning, they are brand new because his faithfulness is great. Paul said, understand, I am going through exactly what I need to go through to get me to where I need to get to. Secondly, this morning and quickly, we don't know how much faith we have until that faith is tested. Paul said that he was in jail for the purpose of the gospel. Some teaching tells us that if we're living for God, we won't go through struggles. Yet many struggles come as the result of living for God. But God still promises that he will not allow us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He will not allow us to go through anything that we cannot handle. But he'll always make a way. How many know he is that way? There are some that would say all you have to do is pray. If it's a situation you don't like, just pray. If it's not nice, God will change it. And if he doesn't, it's because you're living in sin. How many have heard that kind of teaching? I, I have. I remember listening to a pastor when I was, I, I was pastoring my first church in Tyler, Texas. Yes, now you know why I have a little bit of a southern draw. Pastor my first church in Tyler, and, and I was listening to this great big denominational church, the guy on the radio. He tells the people, stands up boldly and says, don't bring your, t- your Bibles to church anymore. You can't understand what they say. It's for me to tell you what they say. Folks, if you ever hear that, split, get, run. How do you measure faith? You don't know how much faith you have until that faith is tested. Think about Peter. The Lord had been preaching all day, healing people, crowds had come. Such a memorial day. The sun was setting. Peter must have felt great. The Lord said, now let's get in the boat And let's go to the other side. We know the story. We find it in Matthew 8. Peter, and I want you to think about it from the perspective of somebody that knows the the waters. Peter is a fisherman. He's been a fisherman all his life. He was raised in a family of fishermen. He knows the, the, the signs and the sky. He knows all the different things. And Jesus tells them to get in the boat. I wonder if Peter for a moment looked out there and thought, I'm not sure this is a good day to get in the boat or not. But Jesus said to get in the boat. How many know if Jesus told you to do something, you're going to do it? 
Why do we whine and complain when it doesn't go the way we thought it should go? Okay, that's just, I thought that was right there. It's there. All of a sudden, they get in the boat, they start going to the other side, and the storm comes. We know the story. But look at Jesus. He gets in the boat. The Bible says he lays, go down into the lower quarters, and he goes to sleep. The storm comes. The boat is tossed. It is beaten. Everything imaginable. All of a sudden, the disciples are bailing water, you know, and they're thinking, oh, there's more coming in than going out. Somebody stuck their head down there and said, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to perish. What was Jesus' last words? Go to the other side. Was there anywhere, maybe you can interpret it this way. I know a lot of people like to interpret the Bible. I like to read it and let the Bible interpret itself. But in there, do you think Jesus said, go to the other side? Oh, but by the way, we're going to all sink and die in the middle, but that's okay, I'm with you. Did you find that in there somewhere? Russ, did you see that in your notes? I didn't think you did. Anybody, anybody else? Bill, did you see it in yours? John? No? He said, get in the boat and what? Do you think if Jesus told you to do something, whether audibly or in Scripture, but you know that you know that you know that it's God, that he's going to let you die in the middle of it? You might take on water. You might gargle a little bit because it's getting deep. But he said, go to the other side. And look what happens. They woke the master. And all Jesus did is what he always does. Peace be still. The waves, the wind calmed. And guess where they got? To the other side. How many think they would have got there even with the storm? I think sometimes Jesus needs to just put his hand at me and say, peace be still. And let the storm rage. Look what Jesus said to them. How is it that you have no faith? Why is it you're so filled with fear? Now, I want you to see a correlation. He said, why is it you have no faith and you're filled with fear? Faith can't have fear, and fear doesn't have faith. Either he is or he isn't. Either he said or he didn't. That's the decision we have to look at. Did he tell me to go? Did he say to come? Did he say you'll make it? Did he said, well, this is the end of your life, you're going to die? You see, we can know all those things. But the reality in the midst of it, we have to be filled with faith or we'll be filled with fear. Am I making any sense? This is where we chime in with Peter. What do you mean, Lord? I have no faith. I've left my home. I've left everything. I left job. I left families. What do you mean I have no faith? What Jesus was literally saying, why don't we have it when we need it? When we're going through it, why do we allow fear to overcome and consume us? When we're going through it, why do we confess all kinds of negative things? When things aren't going the way we thought they should go, there's the key thing. We thought 
My Bible still says his ways and my ways are not the same way. His thoughts are above my thoughts. But I can stand completely firm because I know he has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind that if he said that he's going to take me through it, then I can get to it. Let me close. We don't need great faith. We need to have faith in a great God. Nobody has unshakable faith. I don't care who you think you are. People look at me and they say, Pastor, you're, you're, you're just, it's amazing. You, nothing ever gets, oh yeah, it does. It does. Just most people don't see those things. Pastor Philemon does. My wife does. But the reality is, I'm just as human as everybody else. Only thing dif- differentiates me from you is responsibility. I'm responsible for hundreds of people. My job is to tell you how to get to heaven. Your job is to get there. But I'm responsible to do that part, which makes me the target of the church. Because the Bible says you smite the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. This is why the pastors will go through more than just about anybody else in the church. Why? Because he's trying to bring me down. He'll try to bring Philemon down. He'll try to bring Ray down. He'll try to bring uh, Bob down. He'll try to bring uh, the, the different leaders down, uh, Bob and, and, and Libby and, and, uh, and Mike and Cecil and, and all. Why? Because his objective is to destroy the church. But someplace in my Bible, it may be in yours, but it says if you will build your house on me, the gates of hell will not prevail. Can somebody say amen? None of us have unshakable faith, but we have an unshakable God. It is our faith in God that will cause us to stand. And when we've done all we can do to stand, he said we'll still be able to stand. Why? Because we're putting on the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Our feet will be shod with the preparation of the gospel and peace. We'll have the sword of the Spirit. We'll have the word of God to guide and direct us and to destroy everything that composes us. This is what our faith will do. Because it's not a matter of how big is your faith. It is how big is your God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Dylan, stand up there and move that arm back on the clock a little bit, please, would you? I want to talk to you about Paul for just a moment as, as I do the second closing. <laughs> you know what it means when the pastor says in closing? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Let's look again at Paul. Because faith, faith believes when you're not permitted to see. Let's look at Paul's life for a second here. Why was Paul thrown in the Philippian jail and literally released within hours. Remember him and Silas? They're praising and they're worshiping. All of a sudden, the doors were broke open. The angel of the Lord appeared. The entire jail got saved. Just a few hours after he's thrown into prison, he is immediately released in Philippi. But when he was in Rome, he spent almost three years in jail. What was the difference? The same apostle, the same people praying. 
You see, it is not only about faith in our God. It's about having God in our faith. We have to know that God is working in my life. Was there anyone on earth besides Jesus that had more faith than Paul? So let me ask you, why was he there and instantaneously almost released in the Philippian jail, but spent almost three years in the Roman jail? Do you know why? In the church at Philippi, Paul was just beginning his ministry. God needed Paul not in jail, locked up. He needed out on the streets preaching. He had to go to Caesarea in the Philippi. He had to go to Macedonia. He had to go to Ephesus. He had to go to Teratira. He had to go to Sardis. He had to go to all the different places and establish the churches that we are a part of today. God had to get him out of jail. But he let him stay locked up for three years almost in Rome. You know why? He had to write a book. He couldn't be out on the streets preaching. He had to write a book. So the Bible says majority of these chapters that we call the Pauline epistles were wrote, written from Rome. God said, Paul, you need some peace and quiet. I'm going to keep you locked up. Room and board's covered. No worries. <laughs> and we have a New Testament. There's things happening in your life that will go by instantaneously because God said that's all it took. But there's other times that he'll have to get you through it. Why? Because you're too stinking hard-headed just to get through it. That wasn't in my notes. That was just free. <laughs> How do you know that, Pastor? Because I've been there. There's times that we'll go through something and it'll be over like that. There's other times it'll go on and on and on. But if you'll put not just faith in God, but understand God's in charge and put God in charge of your faith, you will see things completely different. See, Paul didn't know any time at the time that anybody else knew but he was praying and asking and saying God use me you see God's will is not always done but God's plan is always done what do I mean very simply God is not willing that any should perish but millions are going to hell but his plan was for Calvary to give us freedom to set us free to give us victory and his plan was accomplished. Remember Isaiah 46? He said, all that I have planned will come to pass. You see, our confidence that God is able is what keeps us from worry when we can't do things. Paul said, I know the one in whom I trust, and he is able to guard that which I have entrusted in him. What you and I hang on to will cause us to worry. What we let go of shows us that we trust. Faith, belief, and trust all come from the same Greek word. If you have faith, that means you have belief. If you have belief, that means you have trust. And if you have trust, you can have God in the midst of your faith. But it's a choice.
I love what D.L. Moody said when reading Isaiah chapter 12 as the, as the worship team comes. The scripture says in Isaiah 12 too, I will trust and not be afraid. You know what Moody said? He said you can travel first class or second class to heaven. First class or second class basically is what time I am afraid I will trust. But he said first class is I will trust and I'll not be afraid. I want you to look at me as the music begins. Faith believes when you're not permitted to see. And folks, there's a lot of things that I don't know. But I do know this one thing. God will finish what he started. God will finish what he started. Now, I want you to look at me, please, all over this building. If you're here and you're going through things, you are not permitted to see the why you're going through what you're going through. You got to accept that that's okay. I'm talking about children of God. I'm talking about people living for God. If you're living in the world, or if you've got your fence straddled, you got one foot in the world, one foot in God, the Bible says don't expect to ever get anything stable from God. Why? Because the problem's not God. The problem's not the devil. The problem's you. But if you're living for God, and you're dedicated to God, and you're living for God, and you don't know why you're going through what you're going through, God says, okay, it's in my hands. I'll get you through it. Say, Pastor, what if it, if I don't get through before I die? Where are you getting through to? I don't have all the answers. I know where they're all at. They're in Christ. He is the answer. But the thing that I can assure you with today, if you'll make him your Messiah, I shared this last week as I got into this series, because all of this comes from this understanding that the word Messiah means the anointed one and his anointing. And it's his anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage that keeps us in fear, that keeps us in torment, that keeps us insecure in an uncertain world. But he said, I didn't give you that spirit. I give you power, love, and a sound mind. My power, my grace is operating in you. My love cast out fear. Because where there's fear, there's torment. But the key is I gave you a sound mind. That sound mind is the certainty that he is my all. And in my all, I stand. And if God took you to it, he'll get you through it. I know that sounds like a cliche, but why is it? That's just words. It's only words because you want to believe that they're only words. They're fact in my life. I learned a long time ago, if I'll step out in faith, God will always step in, in fact. And I've watched him do it time and time and time again. Where are you? What are you going through? Pastor, you just don't understand. You're right. I may not understand. 
But it doesn't matter that I understand. What matters is that you understand that he said in this world you're going to have troubles. But be of good cheer. You're in me. And I have overcome this world. Can you say amen? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win.